Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, thank you so much for your giving this morning. I have the distinct honor and privilege of introducing you to a lady who is uh, no stranger to this house. She's been with us for a few years, and she leads some amazing connect groups. And she's actually spoken here before on our Secret Sunday uh, during our 10 a.m. experience. So, Bethesda, can you stand to your feet and give a big God bless you and welcome to Mrs. Amy Swoop this morning. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning, good morning. Thank y'all. Woo, this is the third service, so I think I've cried everything off if I had makeup on. It's like I'm a wreck, so excuse me, forgive me. But welcome this morning um, to Bethesda. Um, If I haven't met you yet, my name is Amy Swope, and Rick and I have, my husband and I have been coming here for about three years now, and it's just amazing and beautiful to be a part Uh, in God's house with God's people working for his purpose and being in his presence so it's just an awesome place but this morning I want to step out of the box a little bit and talk to you about your testimony Um, and so I know that we're all at different phases and stages in our spiritual walk but I think it's important to talk about because we have so many new people who have just uh found Christ and maybe they don't know how to tell their testimony or they haven't thought about telling their story or they don't think their story is important. Uh, And when it comes to testimonies, um, some of us uh, who have known Christ for a while, maybe um, we uh, don't know where to begin. Maybe we're not comfortable. And sadly, maybe some of us are older and we think that maybe our story is not relevant or relatable. And I'm here to tell you, your story matters. Um, And so remember that salvation isn't the end, it's the beginning, where we begin growing and then we begin going. So um, first of all, what is your testimony? Your testimony is your conversion story, your come to Jesus moment. It's your before and your after. It shows uh, where you've been, how far you've come, how God intervened, and how he's alive and present and real working in your life for his goal, making us more like him so we can spread the gospel, and so essentially all men be saved. So um, I kind of look at it like this, like show and tell. Do you remember show and tell when you were in grade school? Like that was like recess, show and tell. Those were great times. You would bring an object or a toy, something that you valued, and you would stand in front of the class and, and show and tell why it was special to you. I kind of view your testimony like that, like it's time for you to show and tell all that Jesus has done for you. Uh, So um, first of all, there are, I believe there are two types of testimonies, your main conversion story, and then our daily story of how God intervenes and works in our lives. Um, Our main testimony is to help unbelievers see and hopefully come to know the God is that we serve. Uh, Then we have testimonies uh, to testify the goodness of God and that he is working in our lives. And that helps when we tell a fellow believer, encourage 
the fellow believer, but also increase our faith. Iron sharpens iron, so it's a win-win. So, you know, and, and some of you might think, well, Amy, I don't need to write my story because the Holy Spirit will prompt me. And yes, I I 100% agree with that, but I look at it like this. Just as Pastor Chad prepares his sermon each Sunday, we should prepare our testimonies to have them ready. And then just as Pastor Chad each week veers from the sermon to, uh, by the prompting and leading of the Holy Spirit, we can do that too. So um, 1 Peter 3.15 says this, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So this morning I want to take a look at the book of Acts. Acts, remember, takes place after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. After the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, Jesus goes to appear to the disciples over a period of 40 days, and he's teaching them. And remember at the crucifixion, uh, the disciples scattered. They were fearful. They were disillusioned. They feared for their lives. And now they see and they know that he's alive and he is the Messiah. So they become fearless, risking everything to spread the gospel around the world. Jesus would ascend to heaven, the Holy Spirit would be poured out, and evangelism would begin. And we see the spreading of the gospel, but yet we see persecution, intense persecution of the church at this time. But remember, Paul was Saul, and so just to recap on him, he was a bad dude, and he was an extremely zealous Jew who believed that those who followed Jesus were blaspheming or insulting God by believing in Jesus. So he hunted for Christians, he arrested them, he killed them, and he thought he was honoring God by doing so. He then has this God encounter, and this is his testimony of where, that turns his world upside down. He's on the road to Damascus. He uh, is blinded by a bright light from heaven. He hears a voice. It's the Lord demanding, why is he persecuting him? And Saul becomes blind and prays for three days. The Lord then speaks to the disciple Ananias, and he says, go heal him. And Ananias is maybe a little reluctant because he knows the reputation that Saul had, um, and he knew he was a Christian killer. So So God assures him, Ananias, that Saul was a chosen vessel to carry his name before the Gentiles' kings and the children of Israel. God assures Ananias that this is part of my plan. Uh, Ananias proceeds, lays his hands on Saul, assuring him that Jesus was the one that sent him. The scales fall from his eyes. His sight is restored. He's commanded to rise and be baptized, which he did. He was changed. Saul immediately began to preach with very great power. So that's his conversion story. So now we fast forward to Acts 22, and Paul's arrested for teaching about Jesus. And the law. And so he's being uh, pulled away, arrested uh, by soldiers, and he pleads with the soldiers, Can I just speak to the crowd? And as he's being pulled away, uh, he, Paul shares his testimony, and it's broken down like this in Acts 22. Acts 22, 1 through 5, Paul shares his life about before accepting Christ. 6 through 11, he shares about how he becomes a believer. And then in 1222, he shares how his life is changed after accepting Christ. Now, later in Acts 26, he would recant the same story, and he would plead it in front of the courts, in front of uh, King Agrippa. And so it's the same story a little bit later in Acts. So Paul is standing there before King Agrippa, and he speaks simply 
logically and clearly about his life before salvation, how he met Christ, and what his life was like after conversion. So read with me, with you, if you will, Acts 26. This is Paul. He's talking to the king. As the Jewish leaders are well aware, I was given a thorough Jewish training from my earliest childhood among my own people and in Jerusalem. And if they would admit it, they would know that I have been a member of the Pharisees, the strictest sect of our religion. Now I'm on trial because of my hope in the fulfillment of God's promise made to our ancestors. In fact, that's why the 12 tribes of Israel zealously worship God night and day, and they share the same hope that I have. Yet, Your Majesty, they accuse me for having this hope. Why does it seem incredible to any of you that God can raise the dead? I used to believe that I ought to do everything I could to oppose the very name of Jesus the Nazarene. Indeed, I did just that in Jerusalem. Authorized by the leading priest, I caused many believers there to be sent to prison. And I cast my vote against them when they were condemned to death. Many times I had them punished in the synagogues to get them to curse Jesus. I was so violently opposed to them that I even chased them down in foreign cities. So here Paul's telling about how he was raised a very religious leader, a Jewish leader, and then he, uh, this led to an anti-church, anti-Jesus campaign where he went around destroying the church and he called himself the worst of sinners. So the second part of his story, it goes on, his day of salvation. He's telling the king, One day I was on such a mission to Damascus, armed with the authority and commission of the leading priest. About noon, your majesty, I was on the road. A light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shone down on me and my companions. We all fell down, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is useless for you to fight against my will. Who are you, Lord, I asked. Then the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Now get to your feet, for I have appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and witness. Tell the people what you've seen, that you've seen me, and tell them what I'll show you in the future. And I will rescue you from both your own people and Gentiles. Yes, I'm sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so they may turn to darkness, to light, from the power of Satan to God. And they will receive forgiveness of their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. So Paul proceeds to tell them what actually happened, tell him what happened on his conversion. And he talks about where he's humbled and he's driven to his knees where he sought faith and repentance. The last part, his, Paul's life after Christ. So, and so, King Agrippa, I obeyed that vision from heaven. I preached first to those in Damascus and then in Jerusalem and throughout all Judea and also to the Gentiles that they must repent of their sins and turn to God and prove they've changed by the good things they do. Some Jews arrested me in the temple for preaching this and they tried to kill me. But God has protected me right up to this moment so I can testify to everyone from the least to the greatest. I teach nothing except what the prophets of Moses and Moses said would happen, that the Messiah would suffer and be the first to rise from the dead and in this way announce God's light to the Jews and Gentiles alike. So I want you to catch who King Agrippa was. I did some research and found out that he is from the lineage of Herod's. Um, he was the only son of Herod who beheaded the apostle James, the great nephew of Herod who beheaded John the Baptist, the great grandson of Herod who sought the life of Jesus and had the babies in Bethlehem slain in effort to destroy Jesus, the great nephew of Herod 
before whom Jesus was arrayed in a purple robe and mocked. So this is the thing. King Agrippa was a man well acquainted with the events connected to Jesus and his followers. Um, But he still wanted to hear and he still listened to what Paul had to say. Agrippa could have easily had him beheaded and it would have been in line with the actions of his ancestors. But Paul concluded his testimony by sharing how he was obedient to Jesus, his new master, and, and that people should be too, that they should repent and turn to God. Ultimately, Paul sees the opportunity to turn his personal testimony into an evangelistic message that was intended for Agrippa himself and all those uh, present in the courtroom. And that's the way we should be. We should be fearless. We should be, from the least to the greatest, share our testimony of God's amazing grace and power for lost people. And so now this is where we step outside of the box a little bit, and I'm going to encourage you to write your testimony broken down as we see uh, from the book of Acts. Um, And again, I want to reiterate that I want to encourage you to, to break it down into small sentences, and this is not to be rehearsed. This is not to replace the Holy Spirit. This is just to give you kind of an outline of your story. I know when I did this many, many years ago, it was so instrumental in me lining up uh, first things first and how things transpired, so it was beneficial. So under your seats, you have a worksheet, a piece of paper, and if you would grab that and a pen, and I'll follow along um, and encourage you um, to how to write your testimony, just like, like Paul did in Acts. So you'll see um, on the first, uh, the first section is your life before accepting Christ. So right there, just write, I encourage you to write two or three sentences. Um, and to start, that would be like um, to describe your life as a non-Christian. What, what was your life, life like before your attitude or your behavior or your circumstance? Um, did you have a lack of significance or purpose? Um, and then the second part of that, you'll see, um, I want you to, d- to describe your details on how you accepted Christ. And that should be the bulk of your testimony. Like, we don't want to glamorize and have the bulk at the beginning of your sin life. We want to we focus and hone in on your conversion uh, story, just like Paul's. So how God brought you from darkness to light And then the third section, your life after accepting Christ, just in two to three sentences. Um, Your current state, what what Jesus and believing in him means and what it did for you and what he's done for you and the goodness of him. How's your life better, different, more with him? And so for you viewers online, too, you can join in and grab a piece of paper and and follow the outline on the screen. to describe your before, how, and after. Um, So you will have a short testimony that you could share too. Um, I just want to pray real quick before we get started, and I'll give you three minutes, and then I'll hop back up up here, and we'll we'll carry on. But um, let's just pray real quick before you start writing. Uh, Lord Jesus, we just pray today for uh, open hearts and minds, and let our words flow from our hearts to our pen to paper that we may share with others your goodness, your glory through our story, leading them ultimately to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I'm just going to give you three minutes on your mark, get set, go, and I'll be right back. As I walk this great unknown, 
Questions come and questions go Was there purpose for the pain? Did I cry these tears in vain? I don't wanna live in fear I wanna trust that you are near Trust your grace can be seen in both triumph and tragedy Sometimes my faith feels thin Like the night will never end Oh, will you catch every tear? Or will you just leave me here? I have this hope In the depth of my soul In the flood or the fire You're with me Did y'all get finished? No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. I know that, that that's just, uh, that's not a lot of time, three minutes, and I don't expect you to finish, um, but it should get you started, and it should give you a, a place to start. Um, and then when you read your sentences all together, um, that should be, you know, a good place to start, a three-minute testimony. And again, not to memorize, not to override the Holy Spirit, but just to get comfortable with your story. Mine goes something like this. I wasn't raised in church. My grandfather was a pastor, and he lived next door, and he pushed religion on me, and I rebelled. Um, though I know now that his method was wrong, his message and his heart was right. Um, 
1993 Easter Sunday, uh, two years after Ricky and I were married, uh, my best friend was killed in a car accident, and he was my brother. He was like my brother. The car. He was in our wedding, and I mean, he was a beautiful, beautiful person. Car ran him off the road. He overcorrected and hit a tree. Side impact. Uh, he was on life support for three days. We didn't leave his side. We were devastated. I didn't know God. It was like that song, Pray into a God that you don't believe in. That was me. Lost. Rick was raised in church. He was a Christian at the time, but he couldn't fill the void, and I couldn't fix the pain. Depression would set in, and we would almost split. Dark, dark days. Months later, Rick would encourage me to go to the doctor because the flu that I had held on too long, and I found out I was pregnant. It was not the flu. <laughs> recalled birth control pills. Now, I don't know how you recall birth control pills. Like, here, Mrs. Swope, is your $8, and congratulations on your new baby. Like, I don't know how <laughs> you do that. But, I, you know, I laugh about that now, but I, I honestly, those were God-ordained recalled birth control pills because I'm here to tell you that eight months later we would give birth to our first daughter. And when I would look for the first time in the eyes of that baby, I knew that God was real and that hope was restored. We would go on to have two more beautiful daughters, but um, that, that first, we were in such a dark place. And God swept in and gave us hope. Mark 16, 15 says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He commands us. However, sometimes we think, Oh, sharing the gospel, that makes me nervous. Let me encourage you to use your story to build a bridge to the gospel. Like if someone says, You know, I don't have any hope. There's a doorway for you to say, You know, I don't know exactly what you're going through, but I remember a time where I didn't have hope either. And let me tell you about Jesus. So let your story, be bold enough to share your story, to let it be a bridge to tell about the goodness of God and lead someone possibly to Christ. Don't fear judgment by telling your story. That's the old you. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. You see, Paul spoke their language and he met people where they were. And it's time for you to tell your story because it's only one story. It's the only one you, you can tell. Someone needs your story. You're a seed planter. You're a hope dealer. You might not get the person from zero to ten conversion to Christ, believing in Christ, but you may just get them one step closer. It's like when we... Um, we get intimidated and scared to pray for people or lay hands on people or pray bold prayers. Well, what if it doesn't work? I'm here to ask you, what if it does? And so, you know, some people say, well, I have a friend. And she said, well, I don't think I have a testimony because I was uh, saved at the age of nine. And I went forward and was... Uh, was saved at the age of at an early age, and I had a godly upbringing, and my mother was a godly woman, and I looked up to her, and she was my role model, and 
I'm like, oh, I wish I had that kind of story. That's a beautiful story. Like, that's a testament to us who are raising children, like, train a child in the way he should go. Like, that it's possible. Like, that's hope. Maybe you weren't pulled from the pit, but maybe you didn't need to be, but don't diminish your story. It's a treasure that you need to share. It's your story. It's God's story. It's one of the most effective tools you have for sharing your faith is how he gave you eternal life and has enriched your life. So Apostle John wrote, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, 1 John 1, 3, testifying about his relationship with Christ. The more you go forward, come forward to talk about how God has intervened in your life, people will get, they'll, they'll start to get that God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit is real. Miracles happen. Prayer works. It will inspire others to seek God possibly and turn from their sins so that they can know the peace that comes from knowing him. So back to Acts. Listen to the end of Paul's story. It's kind of wow and heartbreaking. I read this over and over. It was kind of incredible, incredible to me. So when Paul pleads his case and he's pleading his testimony for King Agrippa, it didn't change and convert King Agrippa into believing Jesus in the end, but listen to what he says. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, King James Version, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Uh, amplified Version says, In a short time and with so little effort, you almost persuade me to be a Christian, become a Christian. And Paul replies, Whether in short time or long, I wish to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today might become such as I am, except for these chains. Wow. Paul cared intensely about the outcome of sharing his faith, and he knew the outcome wasn't his responsibility, though. Paul was ready, willing, and able to talk about his relationship, even to a king who had lineage with King Herod's. My point is, Paul didn't let who they were stop him from sharing who Jesus was. So we talked about that's your main testimony, your come-to-God moment. There's another type of testimonies, um, and you should have an arsenal of these. Your God stories, how God intervened in your life, for you, with you, through you, last year, last month, yesterday, today, to give hope and to lead others to him. When Jesus healed the man in Luke 8, he commanded him, return to your house and tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way, and he proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus has done for him. <clears throat> our most recent God story that our family uh, experienced, it's a miracle, and I wanted to tell you about it. It's kind of my show and tell of today. Um, many of you know we have three adult daughters, and our oldest one um, she and her husband have been married for three years, and they just adopted their first baby. And he's a sweet baby boy. Oh, I'm a Mimi now. <laughs> Aw, I love him. Uh, but many of what you don't know is that Chloe, our oldest, has struggled for many years with chronic Lyme disease that has wrecked her body and her hormones. And for many years, she's had horrible health issues. Three weeks in college, she was totally bedridden. She and her husband, Brandon, met at Liberty, and uh, he's never known her healthy. Breathing attacks, trauma from a mission trip in Guatemala where we had to evacuate her out of the country. Uh, we got the call. I had a youth group uh, at, a, at a camp. I had like 30 students, and 
uh, Ricky called and said she's having an attack. We didn't know where in Guatemala she was. We didn't know if we'd, we, could, we could get to her, uh, get help to her. They evacuated her to a, to a unit on the side of the road. Finally, uh, we got her out of the country. We didn't know if we'd see her again, though. That night, I laid on my face on the floor. praying for God to bring her home. And after two years, so fast forward, we got her home. She's healing. She's still healing from Lyme, but she's healthier than she's ever been. But their road has not been easy, her and her husband's. And so after two years, three years of marriage, they just celebrated their anniversary last week. Um, They wanted to adopt a baby. And so after several failed attempts in the adoption process, a a few birth moms fell through, and that didn't work out. So they met with a a birth mom, the third one. And they didn't tell many people. They told us, and we didn't tell many people because we thought, oh, we don't want to get people's hopes up, and we don't want to tell people the story again if it fell through. And so they met with a birth mom, the third one, and they liked her, and she liked them, and she said, but there's a kicker. I'm due in two days. <laughs> We're like, what? Oh, my goodness, two days. Three days later, Colt was born. We all got to be there. They got to cut the cord. It's an open adoption. And I told the birth mom that she was very brave, and we were praying for her and her family. I can't look at it because <laughs> God's goodness is, and God is all through this story, but it all happened so fast. He was in the, God was all through it. And so we're elated about this baby, but this baby is coming and like, he's here (laughs) three days. And so um, they live in North Carolina and North Carolina and Virginia laws are are different. So Virginia law says that um, the baby had to stay in the state for seven days because legally the birth mom had that long to change her mind. It was a long seven days of prayer to keep this baby. So um, I stayed with her for the first part of the week, and then Brandon stayed with her the second part of the week, and uh, it was finally approved, and on the eighth day, they got to go home, praise God. But during those seven days of prayer, while we were waiting to make sure that this was all final and real and happening, I would go home uh, from Martinsville, and I I would go to my mailbox, and our other daughter, our middle daughter, Carson, she's getting married in October, so we've been ordering, like, wedding stuff. And so I thought, oh, I went to my mailbox, and there's this package. And I thought, oh, maybe this is something I ordered from Etsy or something, right? I don't know. And so I looked at it, though, and I'm like, wait, the address, this address on this package is our address from 16 years ago, and it has no return address. And I'm thinking, what, what is this? So um, I opened it, and there was a note and attached to another envelope inside. And here is what it read. There are times in which God tells me to send my tithe to someone for something specific. When this first started happening, I questioned my sanity and prayed for signs that he indeed was instructing me to do so. I don't question my sanity any longer but I do wait for signs to indicate 
that it's not my desire, but it's the Lord's instruction. I do not know how much money is in this envelope. I do not count it. I simply collect it until I'm instructed to do something with it. In the unlikely event that you would find out who this came from, please never acknowledge it. This is not my money. This is Jesus's money. Jesus said to pass this on to Chloe and Brandon to be used at their discretion in their adoption quest. By this time, our driveway is so long. <laughs> I've walked down the long driveway, and I'm bent over, and I'm like wailing, crying, and disbelief, and shock, and gratitude, and all. And so I try to call Chloe, and no, and Brandon, no, I can't get anybody. And I finally get Ricky, and he can't understand me. He thinks they've taken the baby back. <laughs> and I'm like, no, Rick, wait, no. So I had to apologize to him for that. I was so incoherent. But God, I can't help but feel like this is the, rest, the year of restoration, that, that God is restoring everything that Satan stole from Chloe, her health, her well-being, enclosed was $2,300. A week later, Brandon would tell us, how many God stories, how many of my God stories end like this? You don't know this, but dot, dot, dot. Brandon says, you don't know this, but that's the exact amount we needed to pay both lawyers off. Like, but God... But God, and he's no respecter of persons. Like, if he did it for us, he will do it for you. Like, this is stuff I've seen on the 700 Club. Like, this is stuff that does not, like, I've not seen a miracle. Like, this is crazy. Nobody knew. Nobody knew we, the, we were adopting, and nobody knew the money. That Nobody knew. God knew. Just like in Paul's story, just as God sent Ananias to heal him, God sends people into your life to do his work, too. And maybe he's leading you to do his work. I'm here to say testify to his goodness, to his grace, to his forgiveness, to his works. There is power in testimonies. I just think of the room here, here, the power of everybody's testimony. If we would be bold enough to step out and tell it how good God is and how what he's done. Like all week I've been, you know, Satan, he is like the accuser of the brother and like he's tried to stop me from telling this like well what do you, you look at you you're getting up there and going to say that's about you or it's about money or it's about prosperity or that you're holy huh it's about the nature of the God that I serve it's about him and it's all about him and it's only him he's a good good God who loves and restores more and better than before so if we could get the worship team back up, that would be great. But So I want you to do your homework. <laughs> Take home that paper and work on it. Have conversations in your car like, what did you write? What did you write? What, what's your story? Out on the lawn in the parking lot, I pray for God encounters for you this week. That people, encounters and opportunities in the days and months ahead for you to share your story to speak up and declare his word and his works and to see the power that comes when you testify, I think it's time for you to show and tell. And if y'all could just stand with me.
And I just want to say to someone, maybe I just want you to know that your past is not too bad or too ugly or too far gone. For God, the, the God who loves you to forgive you and restore you and redeem you and accept you, that salvation can be yours. Like, look at Paul. He killed Christians. so good and so with all eyes closed and all heads bowed if if you want to know this Jesus that we're we're talking about that we're experiencing in our lives day to day and we've experienced during our conversion story if you need Jesus can I just pray with you I don't want you to leave without being led in a prayer of salvation that can change your life for here and for later, not just for now, not just for later, but for both. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Oh, yes, I see you. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you for that hand and that hand and that hand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I see you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. I just want to pray. Let's pray together with those who raise their hands. Dear Heavenly Father, I admit that I am a sinner. I admit that I strayed away. I need you in my life. I repent of my sins. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. He died for my sins was buried and three days later you raised him from the dead Father come into my life be the Lord of my life thank you Father for saving me in Jesus name Amen thank you Amen Amen celebrate it's a glorious day Thank you, Jesus. Praise God for those who raise their hands. Your lives will never be the same. Praise God. If we could have the prayer team come, and I encourage you, if you need prayer or want us to pray with you, agree with you, for you, over you, we will do that. Thank you for allowing me to speak today. It's been a blessing. I hope you all have a blessed day. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.